0: The Lord be with you. And be with spirit. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Lord, be the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, And to his posterity forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Mary said, All generations will call me blessed. From the Gospel of Luke, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When the angel Gabriel extended to Our Lady God's invitation to become a part of the miracle of the Incarnation, she responded, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. That's why all generations call her blessed. For her, the will of the Lord was the highest priority, and so she readily accepted the opportunity to be a part of it. A note of love and reverence for her is a part of almost all of the liturgies of our church. Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is vital because it is the fundamental recognition of the importance of the sacred humanity of Jesus Christ. That matters because matter matters in the work of our salvation. We are creatures of matter and spirit. The incarnation, the atonement, the resurrection, all of these are pillars of our faith because the word of God took material flesh from the Virgin Mary and did something very important with it. He saved us. He offered that body and blood to the Father on the cross as an atoning sacrifice to reconcile God and man. As the early Christians began to express their faith in sacred images, One of the earliest and most popular to this day are representations of the Holy Mother and Divine Child, Mary and Christ. In fact, the very first image we know of is of Mary nursing her infant Jesus. She, like a mother, is usually holding her infant son. Often she's pointing to him or cradling him or presenting Jesus to us seated on the throne of her lap, looking out to us or other children pointing, directing directing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about Mary points to Jesus from the first moment until now. After Mary received word that she was to bear this holy child, she visited her cousin Elizabeth and sang of her happiness. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, as we heard today. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. As the 17th century Archbishop of Canterbury, William Wake, put it, there is no respect that we think too great to be given to her. And he reiterated the words of Bishop George Hall of Chester, one cannot honor and praise her too much who worships her not. Early Christian piety developed the custom of offering scripture to God, the gift of God's word, offered back to him as a sacrifice of praise. In the medieval ordination rites in the Western Church, there was a delivery of key instruments at ordination that was particular to each order, the essential tools, as it were. The new minister would be given the things that they need for their role in the liturgy. The priest would be given a chalice and paten with bread and wine. The deacon, given a book of the Gospels, and the subdeacon, a book of the epistles. And the explanation for the gift of these instruments was the same for each occasion. Take thou authority to offer sacrifice for the living and for the dead. Now for the priest, that makes straightforward sense. He offers the Eucharistic sacrifice. What is often overlooked is that in the ritual of the high mass, the deacon and subdeacon offer their own oblations of the word. And so as an offering, we we speak back to God the words that he first gave to us. We offer to God the Our Father, for example, the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray, used as a vehicle for our own intentions and aspirations. The canticles in the daily office are passages of Scripture offered back to God as a sacrifice of praise. One of the most popular, of course, has been that simple quote of two verses, the Ave Maria, or the Hail Mary. The first verse is Luke 1, 28, the greeting of the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary at the Annunciation. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. We also call this the Angelus, or the angelic salutation. And to that salutation is added, a verse from a few verses after that Luke 1:42 the greeting of the pregnant Elizabeth upon the arrival of her newly pregnant cousin Mary who came to visit blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb offering back to God his own words of divine revelation has been a staple of christian prayer from the very beginning It continued, in fact, the pattern of Jewish prayer, sanctifying different parts of the day around the backbone of the recitation of the Psalter, the 150 Psalms. Clergy and religious, of course, committed to the full use of the sevenfold divine office scattered throughout the day. That was always a bit too much for the average Christian to take on, and so little short versions of the prayer offices began to abound, such as the little office of Our Lady. And of course for the vast illiterate peasantry, what they could offer easily were those short Bible verses and passages that every Christian had committed to memory and to heart. Things like the Creed and the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the doxology or what we call the Glory Be. In 1214, St. Dominic, the founder of the Order of Preachers, was struggling in his order's mission to push back against the Albigensian heresy with the proclamation of the true gospel. He held a solitary retreat in the forest to implore God's help. For three days, he fasted and wept and prayed for God's mercy and blessing upon his mission. Finally, he passed into a coma from the fierce penances he performed. And at this time, Dominic experienced an apparition or a vision of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who told him, I want you to know that in this kind of warfare, the battering ram has always been the angelic psalter, which is the foundation stone of the New Testament. Therefore, if you want to reach these hardened souls, and win them over to God, preach my Psalter. And so the Holy Rosary was taken up as a tool of evangelization. The recitation of the 150 Psalms were replaced with 150 Hail Marys, the things that simple Christians knew and could readily recite. And St. Dominic organized these Psalms of Our Lady in sets of 10. Decades begun with Our Father and concluded with a Glory Be. Each decade was given over to meditation on a particular mystery of the Gospel, a mystery of the story of our salvation in Christ. He organized these in, in three sets of 50. First, there were come 50 joyful psalms of Our Lady, commemorating the joyful mysteries like the Annunciation, the Visitation, The nativity of Christ, the presentation of Jesus in the temple, and finding Jesus as a boy in the temple. Then came 50 Psalms commemorating the sorrowful mysteries the agony in Gethsemane, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, bearing the cross, and of course the crucifixion. And lastly, there were 50 Ave is commemorating the glorious mysteries of salvation, the rewards, the resurrection, the ascension, the coming of the Holy Ghost, and two fruits of redemption first realized in Mary, her assumption into heaven and the coronation of Mary. By the way, meditation on these mysteries of salvation, and in a simple and practical fashion that anyone could use, did indeed become a very powerful tool in the proclamation of the gospel for the Dominicans to push back against the Albigensians. Prayer beads were being used by Christians very early, at least as early as the 8th century. In fact, the word bead itself comes from the word bid, to ask or to pray, petition. Dominic took a string of five sets of ten beads as a sacred tool to weave a rosarium, a a crown of roses awarded to the blessed. I commend the rosary. And starting in September, we will offer a rosary here on Saturday mornings after Mass before confessions. I also did three Pray Along rosary videos that are tools available to anybody out there. So join me in church or pray along remotely on your own time, at your own place, or even just listen along, filling your mind with the Word of God. Pray a decade or two or three on your next long commute. you got ten fingers, easily countable. And when you pray in Our Father, throw in a couple of Hail Marys too and a Glory Be. At first, and for a long time, The Hail Mary was just those two verses, quoting the angelic salutation and Elizabeth's response to Mary's blessedness. But during a time of trial, common people were moved to join Elizabeth's response to Our Lady and to ask for a favor. The petition was pray for us, pray for mercy as we remember you Blessed Mother, before the Lord, please remember us before the Lord as well, and pray above all for this special blessing from God, the gift of mercy. And so the addition, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, is believed by many to have been added during the Black Plague, to ask for protection from that fatal disease. The Black Death, as it was also called, was the second pandemic of the bubonic plague. And the worst, this outbreak from 1347 to 1351, was the most fatal pandemic in all of human history. As many as 200 million people across Europe and Asia died. Fulton Sheen explains in his book on Mary called The World's First Love, quote, since it seizes upon The two decisive moments in life, now and at the hour of our death, it suggests the spontaneous outcry of people in great calamity. The Black Death, which ravaged all of Europe and wiped out one-third of its population, and I'd argue that it's actually closer to half, prompted the faithful to cry out to the Mother of God to protect them at a time when the present moment and death were almost one. An expert in Marian devotion, Father Donald Calloway, affirms this conclusion in his book, Champions of the Rosary, and explains, quote, after the Black Death, the second half of the Hail Mary began to appear in the breviaries, or the prayer books, of various religious communities, like the Franciscans. The prayer, with its petition, took various forms during this bleak period in Europe, but it was made official at the Council of Trent and so appears officially in the Roman breviary of 1568. It sums up so well and so briefly the sentiment of that beautiful prayer from the burial office in the Book of Common Prayer that goes like this, O God whose days are without end and whose mercies cannot be numbered, make us we beseech thee deeply sensible of the shortness and uncertainty of life and let thy Holy Spirit lead us in holiness and righteousness all our days, that when we shall have served thee in our generation, we may be gathered unto our fathers, having the testimony of a good conscience in the communion of the Catholic Church in the confidence of a certain faith in the comfort of a reasonable religious and holy hope in favor with thee, our God, and in perfect charity with the world, all which we ask, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lady's angelic psalter became a litany in time of disaster, crying out for mercy with each petition, a vivid reminder of how much our lives depend on the goodness and the blessing of God for all that we have. It keeps us grounded in gratitude and focused on the things of ultimate importance. The transformation took place during a dark time, but it left us with a bright hope that is fitting for any time. It keeps us looking forward, focused on the glories of heaven, the cause of our meditation. And Christian meditation, we should note, is unlike the Eastern forms of meditation that are probably more familiar to most people. In Eastern, we're talking about non-Christian mysticism. Meditation is all about sort of emptying yourself, clearing your mind entirely, becoming blank, In order to open up to the universe. Christian meditation is almost entirely the opposite. We don't empty our minds, but fill our minds with the words of Scripture and the events of our salvation which they describe. We put ourselves in our mind's eye at the Annunciation, at the cross, at the tomb, simply just to be there and be in awe and to receive God's blessings and we never go alone. We go always, even when we're praying by ourselves, as the church, the mystical body of Christ, bound together in a sacred fellowship of sinners and saints. Our hope, as the prayer book says, is that encouraged by their examples, aided by their prayers, and strengthened by their fellowship, we also may be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Of course, stories about the saints began to circulate in the early church, especially when shrines of saints and martyrs were gaining widespread popularity after the legalization of Christianity in the Roman Empire. People wanted to see these things and visit these places that they heard about. But what about the mother of Jesus? Where is the Virgin Mary buried? Unlike Peter and Paul in Rome, she had no tomb to visit. At least, not a tomb with a body in it. Beginning in the late third century, several writings appear recording the traditions about her death, resurrection, and assumption into heaven. St. John of Damascus tells us a little bit later that during the Council of Chalcedon in 451, the Emperor Marcion asked the Patriarch of Jerusalem to bring relics of Mary to Constantinople, to be enshrined in the capital. The patriarch wrote back and explained, there are no relics of Mary in Jerusalem or anywhere else. That, quote, Mary had died in the presence of the apostles, but her tomb, which opened later, was found empty. So the apostles concluded that the body was taken up into heaven. As has often been said, Mary was the first real disciple. And we see all of God's promises for Christian disciples first realized and fulfilled in her. What happens to Mary is a sign of God's gift to every believer. A new resurrected body, a permanent home with Jesus, and being rewarded or crowned in eternal life. We see this in St. Paul's comments on the subject of eternal life in his letters. And I'll leave you with the Apostle's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 7. I I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing."